It's just really giving people a space that they are able to grow by learning from either experiences or mistakes sometimes or from other people's experiences. Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's safety chat. Hi, it's Mike with the Portage County Safety Council. I'm here with safety consultant Katie Woodhall. What's going on, Katie? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's so good to have you back on here. We had a knockout podcast on five ways to shift safety culture with you and Amy. But just for the listeners that may not be familiar with you, go ahead and just tell them what you do for safety. Well, my background comes from serving inside a family business where I was a safety officer and I handled safety regulations for both OSHA and MSHA and ran annual training for about 130 employees, but also had experience with uh, work with comp and safety in terms of accident analysis and also the drug program that I ran for the company. So I was kind of involved in all parts of safety. And from there, I moved into workforce development and safety leadership within a consulting agency. And so I just continue it in that form. That's awesome. So Katie, we're doing an inspiring safety podcast series. We never really did anything motivational. And we were inspired by some videos that a gentleman did on LinkedIn. And we're like, you know what? Let's do an inspiring safety podcast series. And let's make it of the safety manager to the safety manager of the people for the people kind of thing. And so the first question in that for inspiring safety is, how do you, how does Katie Woodhall engage employees and inspire them to work safely? Honestly, what I've learned just in my career before I was doing safety directly was just in managing people that you have to really create a safe work environment and safe in terms of a place where people can come and be very vulnerable and ask very honest questions when they're not sure about things and know that they're going to get honest feedback and honest support instead of criticism or ridicule. And so... For me, it's just really giving people a space that they are able to grow by learning from either experiences or mistakes sometimes or from other people's experiences. Now, you really hit this as something you do not hear in safety at all. And Simon Sinek, you know, I'm a big fan of, and he hit this, he wrote an entire book about this. It's about the application of trust. And you said, here mm-hmm. we're creating a safe work environment. And we often forget that emotional side of safety, don't we? We we forget, hey, this is serious. One of our members one time told us a story, Katie, about how an engineer was going to rig a crane up to hold more weight than it was scheduled, you know, that it was supposed to. And they're like, wait a minute. She's like, well, I did the math. I'm an engineer. And, it, it, and the employee's like, listen, this thing's over my head. I'm not doing it. And it created this whole right. internal structure. So even if the low could have, which I think was a bad idea going over the manufacturer's warning, but even if the engineer was right, there's just stuff like that creates this atmosphere where you can't trust your managers if you feel like your right. life. And then he felt like because of pushback from the engineer, he didn't have a voice. And so HR was obviously in the battle of that, but that's that's a serious issue that's really lacking in a lot of places, isn't it? Well, and I think that, you know, to your point, what that does is it completely undermines the morale of a culture whether it's safety or not. And I think, you know, we talked about this in the podcast, but in my previous life, I worked for Starbucks Coffee Company. And I think that what I have learned shifting from 
management and training managers within that world and then shifting into, you know, heavy construction and mining is that there is a complete disconnect that we forget that we're still human beings and we still operate in these, in these circles of trust. And if you don't address them as a whole culture, what you're going to do is create micro cultures. And once you have microcultures, then you have a disconnect. And then only people are trusting the circle that they live in rather than the whole organization or your whole safety program because it's all intertwined. It's like a tapestry. So, Katie, it's a pretty big deal. I've worked with like homeless veterans for going on like eight, nine years now. I've worked with the homeless. I've worked with executives in training. I've done a lot of different stuff in my role at Family and Community Services. And one of the things I've noticed in our culture when it comes to masculinity is we act like men don't need this space. We hear something like safe space when we think, well, that's like a college cupcake kind of thing. You know what I mean? When mm-hmm. you got to go pet a puppy and play with something. And it's... That's not what we're talking about here. And if people need that, you know, let them do their thing. But really, like being with these veterans, a lot of tough guys that served our country, a lot of them seen war and these different things and seen combat and they've lost comrades. Not all of them have, but, you know, a lot of them have. And dealing with safety and and a lot of the guys is a lot of times the men may handle it a little bit different, but they still need that trust factor. They still need to be heard. And giving people space on the job isn't just about the ideas that you get in feedback, because sometimes I think we overemphasize that. You know, let's get ideas from the people on the floor. That's a great idea, and I believe in that. But sometimes the space itself, creating space for people, is actually more important than the ideas you generate, because now they feel valued. And so now, stronger than a task at hand is the relationship that when stuff happens or you tell them, no, we can't do it this way, they have enough relationship, it, it goes deep enough, they can trust you through that, even if they don't agree with you, and you can make it through the process together, and at the end of the day, improve corporate culture, safety culture, safety performance, and all that stuff, right? I mean, this is, from my experience working with these guys, I talk to these guys about the fear of rejection. That's not a manly thing to talk about, and these guys get real bold in a small group, but they come in and talk about, yeah, I worry about not being accepted, it, and That's culture cool. will tell you, You know, the way you think about men, men don't care about that. No, it's actually true. They actually, even though they may handle it and present it a little bit different, you know what I mean? They still need that Mm -hmm. space. And this isn't about men, but I just feel like sometimes when it comes to industry specifically, now I'm from the social service world, so we don't have to, we don't really deal with that as much. In the industry world or construction world, you see that a lot, don't you? How important is it to create that space for both men and women? For me, I have like so many layers because it comes from my work experience. It comes from parenting. I mean, it even comes from being the oldest of four kids in my family, coming from a family business. I think that there is a real shift. There's so many layers to it. So, for example, I was at a park with my kids last week. Every, you know, kids are really getting back into the rhythm of playing sports. So there was a girls softball tournament happening with girls between the ages of, I don't know, eight and 12, maybe. And as we were walking along the path, there were three kids playing and there was an older boy who's maybe nine and he was laying on the ground and he was in a ball. He was visibly crying. He was shaking. And the two kids around him didn't know what to do. And so we had asked him if he was okay as we walked by and he didn't say anything. And I walked past and as we got ready to turn, we hear his dad come over and say, get up. You're nine. Stop crying. And maybe people don't see the connection, but for me, coming from a safety perspective, we almost live that same 
life when it comes to safety, especially safety in construction or mining. You're in construction. Don't complain about it. Don't whine about it. Don't be vulnerable. Don't show any sign of weakness because we relate weakness with having a skill set. And they're not the same thing. Having being vulnerable doesn't mean that you're weak. It means actually that you're open to correction, open to adapting, opening, you know, open to learning new skills. And I think that we have to really embrace that, especially when we're trying to shift a safety culture or implement a new policy or, you know, get up to date with COVID mandates. I mean, we're living in a time where we have got to shift behavior very, very quickly, which means we have to have honest conversations. And so, you know, I think that some of it is, to your point, it's defining what that means. I think as a woman in construction and from talking to operators in the field that I, you know, work with with safety is that it's walking that fine line. Like as a woman, the reverse of that is almost giving up your vulnerability because you think that you have to get into a quote unquote more masculine or more tough role. And so if you really just strip it all down to be human, it's just creating a place where we are allowed to grow, which means you have to be vulnerable and open. Right. And there needs to be a balance because I have a lot of friends that coach in, there's a lot of character development that comes from grit, right? Of saying, hey, you got to hold your emotions together going through tough stuff. But it's another thing to say you can't express the emotion. So there's there's a balance that has to take place and it has to, you know, you can't shut it off, but you can't get overwhelmed all the time over every little detail. And so what you see is people kind of tend to stay at the extremes. So bringing that, you know, thing back in, in the social service world, we call it the three voices. You know, we get, I got this from Bridges Out of Poverty, but there's a child voice, which could, you know, take the role of the victim or throw a tantrum. <laughs> then you have like the parent right. voice is the voice of authority. <laughs> and then you have the adult voice that's in the middle that says, you know, like for me, I was explaining it in my classes is that the child voice is I see the cheesecake and I want to eat everything. I get excited like, Whoa! and then my parent voice rises up inside my mind that says, don't you touch it. It's going right to your thighs, Mike. It's going right to your thighs, right? <laughs> and then I got the adult yeah, voice yeah. that says, well, if you eat one slice and not the whole thing and you make sure you go to the gym, you It'll know, be we'll be okay. We'll make it through this thing. Right. And so there, it does right. come that balance. And I think, so I think that's great. And the reason why I wanted to bring up that point is I really kind of wanted to go, because like, if you bring that up to certain cultures, you know, certain work cultures, they're going to laugh at you and say this, but if you really get people engaged in, in conversation with you, there is a need for to create space for them, not only to be vulnerable, to be honest and have tough conversations, right? And all these different things. That's awesome. That's a very good thing. And I'm probably going to title this with that, creating space for employees, because I think that's a huge thing that you're hitting there. So let's go on to the second yeah. question. Otherwise, I'll be talking for two hours on this. <laughs> is The second know, question is... Yeah, it's easy once you get in the flow, right? So from all your experience, if there's one, you know, underlying or overarching big picture safety issue that you think, hey, we should all take a look at this, what would that one thing be? To be really honest, and maybe I'm just stuck in this place right now because it's taking up a lot of space in my brain, but I think that it is really investing in training. And there is a difference between training and dictating a policy. And I think in safety, more than ever, we are promoting people into positions or giving people the latitude to make decisions without also giving them the support or the skill set to know, to your point earlier, what is the big deal? What do I need to let roll off my back? You know, 
where do I have to quote a policy? Where can we just have a conversation? And I think that, you know, for me, that's really where I'm kind of landing right now is that we've got to, I think the next place where safety will end up going, you know, going from conditional to behavior-based safety, the next place I think is going to be this deeper, more intentional attention paid to middle management and leadership training because you, you can't coach people to do things they don't always want to do without knowing how to connect with them. And knowing that every person is different, so you are going to have to be patient and learn what people need from you because not everybody's the same. So Yeah, we talked about that in the last podcast. And I give this example. I didn't give it last time. But when I wanted to be a better football player as a young man in high school, in my younger years, I tried to play more football. But that that never really made me much better. What actually made me better was I started running 40-yard sprints on my own time in the <laughs> summer with a tire tied with a rope. I was such a country boy. Had a weightlifting belt on with a rope tied to a tire, and I would get down on my stance and pull a tire, you know, for 40 yards, and I would do 10 a day, four days a week. You know, my friend had some calf shoes where you're walking your calves kind of the raised up with no heel. Yep. So you had to walk in your calves, yep. and he would come over, and we'd run sprints with him, and I started doing basketball training at the time. Now every football team in the world does it, plyometrics, but then only yep. track athletes and, and basketball players did plyometrics. And I would do that. Then I went back to football. So like what actually made me better at football had nothing to do with football. It was just taking care of my whole self or my whole life or my whole physical, you know, yeah. different dimensions that actually made me better. So if you apply that to the work world, having servant leadership training, learning how to do conflict resolution, learning how to like navigate different cultures and in regards to policy and, and different things. You know, some of the best companies that I've seen out there that have the highest engagement, they literally teach some of their employees how to read financial reports. So when they get the company annual report and do their profit sharing program, it's not just a bunch of numbers they throw off and not, they actually teach them how to read it so they can actually figure out. And guess what? They don't have is big union issues. They don't have people going on oh, strike yeah. because when they go over the numbers, they're one, transparent, and two, everyone knows what they're talking about. So they're all on the same page. And it's just, it's such a big thing. And so you guys mentioned more in that yeah, last we, podcast about servant leadership and soft skills training. I'm with you 100%. If you get anybody, even the machine operator, not just the middle manager, everybody should be taking leadership training because it makes better followers and they get it now. Well, yeah, we think that by hoarding details and hoarding information, we make our team stronger. We actually weaken that. I mean... In my last life looking at Starbucks, from the base up, you saw P&L. I learned how to read a P&L as a barista because I needed to understand where waste was going. I needed to understand how to account for things. And I think that that is the biggest thing. We deal with this in PPE. I, and the first thing I did when I walked into my position as safety officer, I was like, why are we fighting over hard hats? Right. Just if you give them what they want to wear that you don't have to wear while you're doing your job and they're more comfortable and they're five cents more. Isn't that a better choice of expense than wasting time arguing like children or, you know, taking on an accident claim because somebody wasn't wearing a hard hat because it doesn't fit right or it's not vented or, you know, they don't have a cloth for the vinyl for their forehead. I mean, right. you know, and to your point to circle back, I think that you hit it on the head. You know, really, really good athletes don't become good because they do the sport. They become good because they're intentional and conditioning. Yes. And teaching our 
managers teaching our anybody in the field how to have better communication skills, how to lead better, how to be more emotionally intelligent and connect, how to read each other better. That's the conditioning that then leads to better safety protocol and safety programming. That's so good. And it goes with the first answer that you gave us today is creating space so people don't get their feelings hurt when someone disagrees with them. There's a, That's part of vulnerability and it's fantastic. So that's awesome. And it's so, funny that adults lose the capacity to do that. <laughs> it is. And it's part of our culture. You know, I feel bad for kids now because all they know is that like we knew, I guess we knew, and I'm not trying to be the, the bitter old guy that felt my generation is better because I don't think that. <laughs> I think some things are yeah. doing way better. Like they have way more value for mentorship that I wish we would have had grown yeah. up. So Katie, the last and final question. If you have one piece of advice for your peers or other safety managers out there that would help inspire them to keep them going in the daily grind until they see safety come to whatever the goal they're trying to hit, what would that one piece of advice be? So every year I adapt a quote for myself and it's kind of, it kind of ends up being my mantra. So this year my mantra was clear is kind and unclear is unkind. It was really just like harnessing yeah. my, my drive to be a better communicator. What I will say to your question is last year, my mantra was go slow to go fast. And I think that for me, especially with safety, that just summed it all up because going slow to go fast means being a conscientious listener and taking the time to hear what people's real issues are so that you can come up with solutions that fit their needs, that are more concise, and that allow you to grow. It also means that you might have to compromise to get to your end goal. And I think that we really get stuck in the ruts of it's always been this way or so-and-so won't like it or they won't bend. And I think that if we could just slow down and realize that people are a lot more adaptable than we give them credit for and to hear them, that we can get to our end game and our solutions and become a much better team a lot faster. So that would be my one, my one word of advice. That's awesome. I, a I lot like of it. words of advice. Yeah, and I think <laughs> slow down to go faster. I think that's phenomenal. I think the clarity is clear as kind. Both of them are powerful things. And I like how you take one per year because what I notice is there's some things are like a quote or a principle that I learned that literally I, I notice it takes like 10 years to unpack. So like maybe like I heard it 10 years ago, right? And it had some kind of level of impact on me. And then two or three years down the road, I see it in a different angle. And it's almost like re-examining the whole thing. And it doesn't shift. It just builds upon what you already know. And then five years after that, it takes a whole new turn, a whole new perspective, so to speak. And what I've noticed is no matter how much I look at things or no matter how many new things I try, all the good ideas always make the simple, plainly written, common sense things more profound. You know what I mean? Yeah. No matter what yeah. kind of idea, Absolutely. you know, and, and it was safety, data, all these things that can kind of be out there complex that are new for people. The whole end game is at the end of the day, it keeps people safe by making small decisions, you know, yeah. and it's. No, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that that's a testament too for, for your own slowing down to go fast. Like you're reflecting back and you're seeing that you're evolving and things are speaking to you in a different way. Right. Absolutely. And, and I think the worst thing is, you know, I hear the example all the time, the difference between a pond and a river is the river always has fresh water. You could drink from it within reason, <laughs> except for maybe Cuyahoga River, the Burning River. We won't go to that right, right now, but unfortunately, 
Uh, and uh, hopefully yeah. that'll change someday soon but for our kids. But the river is the fresh water that's always flowing in and out, in and out. There's yeah. always movement and the pond gets the stale water. You know, and if you know anyone that has a pond, if they don't put something in there like a like some kind of fountain or something to get the water circulating, it becomes stale and, you know, the yep, seaweed comes in and it's, it doesn't yep. come. It's not very adaptable for fresh life and a lot of fish and it becomes like a covered in frogs and some things you may not want in there. So it literally it's like this whole like thing is keep the water flowing, have these principles, yep. these concrete things, even with safety that you stand on that out of your 30, 40 years experience you may have that you build upon, but let the water keep flowing. You know, it's like a pipeline. Absolutely. I heard an old mentor say the piping structure is solid and never changes, but the fluid within it is always fluid and moving around. And so build upon those principles, those things that you know that are unmovable, but then let the, everything else flow within that framework. So Katie, thank you so yeah. much. I know you yeah. and Amy have launched Sparrow Tail. You want to tell our listeners a little about that before we get out of here? Sparrow Tail is just really the culmination of uh, my business partner and I, Amy, coming together and really just having this overarching love for people and collaboration and, and workforce development and the power and, you know, what happens when you really invest in, in people and how you can drive your business. And so Sparrowtail really takes that holistic approach to the business. It focuses on the people portion and growing that. It looks at the black and white parts of financials and the business structure and maybe succession planning or asset restructuring. And then the third part of the company really focuses on the internal and external messaging and communication of that company. And so it really focuses on marketing. And so we've got a collective of experts who are able to tap into all of those things from training programs to building your website and making sure you're communicating what you you want to communicate to your clients and customers. So, Well, Katie, thank you as always for coming on another great podcast. So everybody out there listening, thank you. This podcast adventure has been incredible. Katie, thank you again. I can't wait to have you and Amy back on. So take care. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.